And I'm Karen Wright. It is 9.32, and I'm happy to welcome back our friend, our master gardener, Barb Lampson. She's up from the south, flew back a little before spring even. Hello, Barbara. Yes, and I didn't fly. I drove back. I know, back. you drove. <laughs> yes, and you know me. I love these side trips, and uh, my husband and I were talking about this as we were coming back. We have this farming background. We grew up grew up on the farm. And for maybe for a lot of people, it isn't interesting to see the countryside, to see the farm buildings, to see what's being grown. You know, you see the cotton in the field. You see the cotton harvested. You see, you know, all these different things. But truly, to me, it's, it's part of the trip oh. is that, you know. I have to chuckle, Barb, because I'm the same way. I'll be riding in the, in the van, going somewhere, go, look at that tree. That must be a such and such. And I'll sit there and I'll identify different trees, or I'll look at how they're pruned, you know, or look at different varieties and say, oh. And I'm the same way. We went down to Florida, visited a botanical garden. I was just looking at, we went to an orange grove, because I just love to see things like that. And other people are like, what, what tree? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. When we when we can get on off the interstate and yes. take another road that's getting us to the same point, I love that. And what I find so interesting are these small communities where they were thriving at one time and now there's, there's less activity there. And you'll see uh, trees that are growing up right alongside the foundation of beautiful old houses. And I just say to David, ah, Karen was here and I was here. We could go in and we could clean up this whole town. We'd get rid of all of this. And it's just, uh, it just breaks my heart yeah. that, uh, and, and you know, you look and you see the foundation looks sound, the roof looks sound, the house isn't sagging, but it won't be long. And there's going to be a big problem there. Yeah. And you know how fast things grow in the South. Uh, they get all this rain and, and the roots, they go along the surface. Uh, they don't go deep because they have a lot of clay there and the clay is red it's red orange it's just really heavy so to grow anything you really have to uh, amend amend lots of organic matter that's not happening but boy these trees that get along these foundations it's it's really sad well and I think a lot of people Harvey and I kind of talked about this a, a week or so ago about even tomatoes when you're planting tomatoes and they're so little you think well I could put four in this area whereas you should just put probably one and the same with trees when they're small they look so cute and small and so a lot of times you do get that and they'll just become huge they'll and I actually saw a picture I was I've been looking for some a tree service because I got a big elm that's uh, split out at the lake house so I was looking on one of the sites of one of the tree services they have an certified arborist and they actually showed a picture of a tree that they dealt with where the tree got so big that it it actually grew into the the eaves the roof where it formed around that so it had been there so long so i mean it literally was growing on the house or around the the structure and i just thought oh my gosh how hard would that be to move and what damage you have with the roots so yeah you really got to watch out you you do you you need to think about this and uh uh, be watchful all the time and you know these viney things too that will get onto a house and start clinging i see this in the south a lot there's a, a briar weed which is thorny 
and mm. it will wind itself up in like the holly there, and you don't see it until it's it comes up on top. And by that time, when you dig out the base, it's tubers. It's actual tuber like things that that you have to dig out, and they spread. So they're spreading. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and th- that thing will go 12, 15 feet up in the air. It'll get onto a tree and it'll keep going. And so a lot of what I was doing this year was just uh, because this. This was a one-owner house. This lady had this that your daughter bought <clears throat> or moved into, and and it was beautifully landscaped originally, but uh, things had just gotten out of hand, and so bringing things back in and getting to the bottom of this, and I'd never dug out this briar stuff before, oh, but that sounds was awful. Yeah, it was terrible. Just re- just really really terrible. And you know, I basically <clears throat> did that at, at our lake house too. Was it had been at one time right. landscaped nicely except the rock i don't like but uh, you know it had gone so overgrown because the people were elderly couldn't care for it anymore and i basically had to tear everything out right and i mean that's a lot of times what you have to do is start from scratch but one thing i'm noticing that i never had before i have taken out the soil around there and i think i've lowered the slope so i had some water problems Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna have to build that soil back up because the slope kind of disappeared because i took a lot of the rocks out and so those are all things you got to think about. Yeah, that's right. You don't realize you think you're doing one good thing and yes. then you're creating <laughs> you're another, right, another problem. problem. So, you know, um, I was very happy that you sent me an article on Clivia's because this, my good friend Harriet Bleese gave me a Clivia plant. She said, I've grown this. It's bloomed for me. She said, I've seen it bloom. And, and do you want it? And I said, Yes, yes, yes. It's a beautiful plant. It is. It's a beautiful plant. It's a hardy plant. It's tropical, though. It is very tropical. It is a house plant. And here's what happened to mine last year. I can't imagine how I did this, but when I put it out, I thought I had it in the shade. I took it from the greenhouse out, and even where I had it, it got some direct sun at the end of the day. When the sun is beginning to set, mm-hmm. it just hit it at an angle, and it burnt some of those leaves. Oh. Now, it was just uh, maybe about uh, three or four inches, you know, the part that's sticking out on top. And I trimmed those back, and it probably doesn't look the best to have those trimmed leaves. Mm-hmm. And maybe eventually I'll go to the base and I'll cut the whole thing out. But when you're going to do this to a plant, you don't want to cost the plant more harm because these leaves, they were just healthy, the, the other parts. It was just the ends that were burned in the sunshine. So, And these leaves on clivias are kind of thick. They're long and very th- much uh, so. and very nice and thick. And the most common color is orange. That article I sent you, I was reading, yes. the common color is orange. And I got a yellow one and I was like, Oh, this is cool because it says there's six species of clivia and many hybrids, but the orange flowering miniata is the most commonly grown, and yellow varieties are available. They're very expensive, around $300. So when I got my yellow one was out at the Longwood Gardens, which is a great garden out in, near Philadelphia, <laughs> right? And so they had a, a, the, the, a school, a college that had a horticulture-type program, and they had been raising clivia. So I got a pot of something they were selling like at a plant sale it was 25 bucks which i thought well that's kind of a lot but then i'm like whoa look it's i got a really a deal yes. carried it back on the plane in a bag and mine is has um bloomed twice and the last time it bloomed barb the the blooms were really low they didn't really come out and stick out above but and there's something about that um it talks about how you need so much 
Right. Cool. I, I didn't know that. It says you need to um, stop watering. To get them to flower, you actually stop watering them right. and keep the plant in a bright, cool spot below 50 degrees for at least 40 days and up to 90 days. And I, I thought... And I don't do any of that. But you, but yeah, you. and I got blooms, but like I said, I right. didn't realize it was that Here's specific. even more important about them. They have to have a fertilizer that's low in nitrogen because when you get too much nitrogen you've got all this growth uh, in the foliage part of it and what you have to have is a fertilizer that's high in potassium right and uh, in phosphorus and this is what you're going to get your nice stalk on it and so I have been very fortunate I bring mine in in the fall into the house and I set it um, away from the window so it doesn't have direct light but it has plenty doesn't get direct light but it has plenty of light and then you start reducing the water yes. for that plant and in the spring then when I get it outside that's when it blooms and this year is the first year I had three stalks on it three to bloom you mean yes to bloom normally i have two this is a flower that uh, it has many little tiny flowers even though it's a relative of the amaryllis it's it doesn't get this tropical. big yeah yeah it doesn't get these big blooms on it it gets smaller ones really really gorgeous and then you know every three to five years you need to repot it because you'll see these air roots. They look roots. like the, the roots of an orchid, kind of. They, they the absolutely do. They look like that. In fact, it says to put it in really, really light soil, almost right. like the orchid soil. And mine bar got so many of the little roots growing on top, and then the leaves started dying off. And I was like, oh, what is... And I thought, well, maybe I should repot it. And since I repotted it in just, you know, it was about two inches bigger around because you don't want to sure. go too big. It's just thriving again. And this is something you don't use a knife and start dividing it. No. If you if you have loose soil in there, you can take that soil off from it, and then you'll find where those divisions are, and then you separate it. So you don't want to be cutting it. In yes. Other words. Yes. Yeah. And I have I have done that, and um, and did that successfully. And another master gardener has half my plant. Okay. Or half Harriet's plant. So Harriet's plant is being loved and appreciated and. And uh, I just love that. You know, the clivia comes from South Africa. And there, they actually grow under the trees in the leaves and things that fall down. So they're like um, uh, like an epiphyte, which is like our orchids are. Mm-hmm. Most of our orchids are. We have terrestrial ones, too, that grow on the ground. They don't like but, to be heavy soil at all. No, no. So bark is what, what they thrive on. And there, of course, they get, they get uh, they're shaded because they have the... Uh, canopy of the tree plus they have the moisture coming down every day and that's perfect for them but they also like I said to get them to bloom you have to quit watering which I didn't realize because I think oh it's dry I better water so now I know that and if you get one don't feel like if, if it never blooms it takes about four to five years to reach blossoming size so if you get a small one just recognize that sure. it's going to be a while and also they do like to be kind of root bound but like I said mine got to the point where it was so root bound that it right wasn't able to take the, the other water thing in. that I do is because they are these big thick leaves I wash them when I bring that plant idea. in yeah it goes in the bathtub and uh, and I use the 
the spray and I just spray it off and get it really clean. And then when it's dried off, then I put it back in its spot again. You now, know? I've never taken mine outside. It's always been in the house. I know you've said that. See, yeah. I'm always afraid if I bring it out, I'm going to bring some disease in or I forget about it and it freezes. You know, they, they seem to be really resistant. It's like the amaryllis. I've never had a disease on my amaryllis bulbs either. So, uh, and they produce and they do really, really well. It was a nice surprise when we came home and, and David came upstairs carrying one of the amaryllis and it had shot its spike up. It was about three inches high, had this big uh, butt on it. And so I stuck it in the window so that it, in the south side so it gets full sunlight. Did you have Mrs. Jensen water your plants while you were away? Yes. My <laughs> dear Mrs. Jensen was watering plants and, and worrying about them. And, uh, and I was talking to her last night and I said, Oh, you did a perfect job. She said, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. (laughs) She's worried. And she said, the geranium, it stopped blooming. And I said, well, you know. That's normal. That's, yeah, that's what they do. But I said, did you see how that foliage was growing on it? And I had a jade plant that um, I'd taken just a little leaf from. I'd shoved it in some uh, very, very loose soil. And that thing had just shot up and just grown like crazy while I was gone. So it loved her tender, loving care. Well, and that's good you have somebody to do that because if you are a person who travels at all, that's kind of like having a pet. you got to have somebody watch yes, after you your things. Hey, uh, Carby and I have been talking a lot about seed catalogs while you were away. Yes. And one thing that's new in the seed catalogs was potato seeds. I read about that. And Harvey... Of course, he loves seeds, and he's going to be growing potato seeds. I know, because... you I know, thought like, that was crazy. It's like, why do that when you have yeah. eyes and they're so easy? And, you know, his onions, he starts his onions I know. from seeds. You know, he just, he, abs- he started dahlias from seeds. Last year, we had this new introduction of a canna that you could grow from seeds. He started that. So... You have to have patience. You ha- and, and a big and, greenhouse. And a greenhouse helps. Yes. The other thing I'd, I've noticed a lot more that I hadn't seen before, or really in the catalogs is mushroom kits growing your own mushrooms where they have all the whatever you need to to do a mushroom and I'm not really interested in that because it's just I don't know I'm not interested either because I love mushrooms and I can go to the store and buy them but my son was raising mushrooms and um, you everything has to be sterile they have to be they're fungus they're very fussy then they they're extremely so uh there's at different times of the development there's different things that you do so uh that would take way too much time for something i was just going to eat but on the seed catalog they they show that literally they send you a box and and it's got whatever the soil is and literally the mushrooms grow in that box that you get them in and i mean they're like 50 bucks for a box and you don't really get that many mushrooms so to me Right. I, I, it's more of a novelty. and Sure is. But it's an option. So if you want to sure. try something new, there you go. Yeah, right. You know, I, I brought along a catalog this morning that I got. Which one? I, this <laughs> is Select Seeds. Okay, I got that one. I'm not impressed with that one. Okay, I've never ordered anything. Here's what I was impressed with. Oh, you were impressed. Okay. I, and, and no, I, the reason I was impressed was for one thing. On the back of it, they they put down, reserve your plants now. Best friendly flower seeds. Your hardiness zone is 4B. Now, I Personalized. Yes, it's personalized, telling you what your hardiness zone is. I know what that is, but there are many people who don't know. Oh, yeah. And this would be, if you look and you check and you say, oh, zone 5, I'm not 
I am a 4B or I am whatever. Right. So I thought this is a great piece of information to have. Because if you don't know, and I remember when I was younger, looking in the catalogs, right. I would just look at the pictures and go, oh, I'm going to grow this and this and this. And I didn't really know about zones. Yeah, exactly. Karen, I would like to mention something that also that I learned when I was in Georgia. I have been reading Norman Winter's column. He's a great uh, horticulturalist. He used to be the director of the Intercoastal Botanical Gardens outside of Savannah, Georgia. And I went there, met him, and uh, just was really impressed. He's now in Atlanta, Georgia, and he continues to write his column. And he's actually published uh, nationwide. So we get this column in our Sunday paper. And one of the things he was talking about was, you know, how Pentone uh, selects the color of the year. Pantone, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And this year it's classic blue. It almost looks like a a navy blue to me. Yeah. You know, it's, he says, according to him, it's the perfect blue. And one of the things that he tried, because he's very fortunate in that in his garden, he trials the plants for proven winners. Mm -hmm. And one of the plants that he tried was uh, one that was uh, being promoted by, uh, 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 by uh, this classic blue color. Sure. And it's called rocking blue suede shoes and what kind of plant is it it's a salvia it is four feet tall and three feet wide he says that this is the most outstanding salvia he's ever grown he can't say enough good things about it the blue is just outstanding how long does the blossom the thing i have with the problem i have with salvia i've got some and they look very beautiful and then they start to go to seed and they're very hard to deadhead because you get reblooming mm-hmm. because there's so many little things so how long do okay. they last and what does it say about that so this is the blooming season is all season long okay so in georgia they bloom until november oh. and then they start blooming now patricia I had salvia in the garden there. I cut them back. I, you know, I, I do think, too because I found that otherwise they go to seed and just go everywhere. Right, right. So, so then they will start over again. So I think they take a little rest. But so he's saying that this is just one of the best colors, and it is great because it att- attracts the swallowtail butterflies as well as monarchs, and uh, it attracts uh, the a sulfur moth. So if you want something like that in your garden. Uh, the sulfur ma- moth, I don't want to attract though if I have cabbages and that No, kind of but stuff. if you have a flower garden, oh, okay. just you're okay. As well as it attracts the um, um, hummingbirds. The hummingbirds, and I was talking to someone about that because we always think that hummingbirds just go for red, but no, they also like blue and yellow yeah i mean they like a lot of colors actually bright colors certainly certainly do they do and then another plant that he suggested this is proven winners and this proven winners also selects their uh, perennial plant of the year and what they selected this year is denim and lace what's that which is a sage it's a russian sage now is it hardy here oh yes it is Uh, Zone three to nine, 
And the thing that he likes about it is it doesn't flop over. You know how a sage, this Russian sage, will flop over in the middle? Because they're so tall often. Yes. Well, this one instead, it has um, very sturdy stems on it, and uh, it stays upright. Oh. The color is blue with the calyx where it hooks on being lavender or purple. So you have those two colors in this. And again, he says it's really great. And how long it blooms it says fall and summer. So Right, right. So And resistant to deer. Yes, and and that would certainly be something that would recommend it. 36 inches wide. That's the spread on that 32 inches large. high. Yeah. So cuz a lot of times that's why I've never planted Russian sages because you do see it and it does split flops and right. just then it looks just terrible later it on. It does. It and, does. Yeah, and and I was, I was they have a picture here of the sage with that blue with coreopsis or also known as tick seed in the front it's that beautiful yellow and purple and it's just a beautiful color combination. And uh, Norman Winter said that one of the perfect colors in his garden with that is orange. Oh yeah. And last year the pentone color was living cool. coral. Yes. And all those plants that were produced to uh, support that color, he said it's just dynamic. You can't miss with that. So just something to think about. Uh, these colors, I guess, you know, Pentone. I don't know how they pick. How how do you pick? They this? must have a committee of some sort, and you yes. know, it's just all subjective, in my opinion. Yes. When we were coming home, I was looking out because the sun was so beautiful, and I was looking up at the sky, and I thought, oh my gosh, there is every shade of blue up in the heavens. It really is, depending on the time of day, the weather, everything. You know, just. Just look there if you want a clue for what color you would love. You know, rather than going to a paint chip, go outside and yeah, take a look, look at, at the, the sky. sky. Yes. Blue is a very, uh, it's a cool color. It's the and color that will cool your garden down if it's looking too hot. And it's kind of a rare color in flowers, too. So, it is. I mean, if you can find one, it's, it is not real common. Yeah, that that that's very true. So some new things. Um, I went to the nurseries and of course you did <laughs> and asked for this plant. And there's one nursery that I just really love so much because is this where in Georgia? This is in Georgia, okay. right? This is in Columbus, and uh, was asking them about uh, what they were getting that was new. And she said sometimes when something is released like this, it isn't there isn't that much. Uh, on the market, it isn't always easy to get right. those plants in. So I'm going to be looking. I'll ask at our favorite garden center if they're going to be getting this. Uh, we certainly would like to try it. Well, I tell you what, I've been talking to uh, Edenvale folks about some of the things that I, I said, are you getting this in this year? And he's in the process of ordering now. He says, well, we'll put it on our list. So, And especially I was interested in there's some new all American selections for 2020 that have come out, come out, and there's a new coleus for the first time ever. They have named a coleus. It's called Main Street Beale Street, and it's a beautiful, beautiful deep red that does well in either sun or shade. And I thought this would look perfect out there with my new pink roses, you know, as sure, a as a, sure. a color that cover the base. And she said some of those things when they come out brand new like that, because it's such a new thing, a lot of people haven't started raising it yet. So. Right. 
So if you the can, demand isn't always there, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So I've put, I've kind of put my order in for certain things already. So, Good. you know, it doesn't hurt to ask because a lot of times they'll buy what they know sells sure. usually. And sometimes it's like music here. I get a call. Somebody says, hey, have you heard of this? And I'll learn new music, kind of like new plants. Sure, sure. That's exactly right. So, Barb, if you have anything in mind. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to do that. You remember when we got coleus and we were so excited about this King Kong yes. variety with these big beautiful vibrant leaves right. on it and at first we couldn't find all the colors and all the things and then it very it, it just kind of took over where some of those we used to get the smaller you know and more the, wimpy uh, wimpy i would say uh, and more an, anemic colors yes. these are bright and gorgeous yeah and so, proven winners has come up with some amazing combination i love that i can't remember the name now but it's chartreuse and all the veining is a deep burgundy red and it's just sure. striking and and so that's one of my go-to's you know one of the geraniums that i really like is that um geranium that has um yellow um let me see it's green uh, a green leaf mm-hmm. with red and and uh veining on it so kind of variegated a little it, it it's it's gorgeous it's absolutely gorgeous i put that um in patricia's garden it's it's really doing really well so i think it's more of a chartreuse colored leaf with red veining on it it's it's just just really 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 lovely so I was going to say, uh, when I got back, I noticed that we have snow cover. Not a lot. Not a lot, and we've had it go and come, and that's really hard on the plants. It's very hard. If you didn't get your plants covered, I didn't. and you've got leaves in um, plastic bags, I would go ahead and spread them on top of the snow. Barb, I haven't. I, I haven't yeah, got all yeah, mine done. Yeah. Well, I actually have them in piles just sitting. Sure. You know, I just take them and throw them on my especially my knockout roses I didn't get those covered right I, I would get I would get those bases covered on them you know it's not so much what's what's way up there high it's where the graft is at on most of these and you want to get that graft covered up because if you don't save that the thing will go back to the rootstock that it's on which is the wild rootstock and I think root knockouts are on their own rootstock so I don't have to worry about it I'm pretty sure yeah that, that could be and I know I, I just ordered new roses too from I told you the David Austin English rose I, I just mm-hmm. ordered some of them and uh, they have some that are on the rootstock and some that aren't and if they're hardy and on their own rootstock that's the best one to do because I've had another rose in my garden where it must have been a grafted one and then it reverted back to kind of an ugly thorny yeah. Uh, thing because the the one that was gra- p- graph part had died. Sure, sure. That, that that happens. That that's because uh, we we have the open winters. Yes. Some winters you can get by, and you know to this day I am still taking soil and pulling soil up around the base of the rose. We learned years ago to do that, and uh, and then you can get your leaves on there. But I think getting that that soil pulled up around there makes even more sense. Do you think it's too late? The other thing I didn't get done yet this at, in the fall, I didn't get my trees wrapped. Too late to do that or should I still do that? My little No, I I think you could still do that. You could still benefit because, you know, it's the warming days uh, when the sap gets trapped up on top, it starts trying to come and then the the splits. splits. Yeah, you have you see these splits. You know, I had this Northwoods maple which I just loved and I I planted it when my granddaughter was born and it was her tree and one year I thought the tree was big enough because, like, you only have to wrap them till the, I think there's like a, 
uh, four inch diameter okay. on them and and I didn't wrap it that year and you know it split oh. and I thought oh this is it but um, I had called Don Gordon and asked him what to do and he said take off that loose bark cut that off make a nice clean seam and he said it, it's going to be fine and he was absolutely okay. right Good. It's, it's got a scar but it isn't it isn't nasty the other the other reason why I, I put cloth or uh, wrapping mm-hmm. around is to prevent the voles and moles and things from chewing because sure. they like they need food in the winter sometimes they'll take the, sure. the delicate bark on some things. the deer are deer. coming right they're up. sleeping in my yard now yeah yeah and, and there's more that they come in groups yeah. so uh here's the thing that they absolutely love they've stripped all the bark off from this french pink pussy willow that i have it's done then yeah they're just eating eating it but okay so that thing will come from the base. Oh, I'll it will. Cut it, I'll cut okay. it all down. It's a willow. Oh, I mean, so you're okay. Yeah, so you're okay. But it's, if you've got certain like hybrid ornamental shrubs, they they could be goners if that happened. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. They can't. They're not that tolerant of this kind of behavior. So, but the thing of it is, so I would lose all these beautiful the pussy willows when you know you look forward to that. Sure. So here you're starting over every year with this. It's. Uh, I have to decide, is it worth killing myself digging that thing out? But how do they get in your yard? Because you've got a fence. Uh, no, they come to the front yard. Oh, in this your front yard right, where you don't? Okay, it's I right, gotcha. It's right in the front, so right alongside the driveway. And last night I looked out, and we have security lights, oh. and they were on, so I knew they were up there eating. It's just such a, uh, there's there's just too many. As a matter of fact, we were traveling down the interstate in, I believe it was Mississippi, and th- this, this uh, across this creek, it was called Fawn Creek. And we went down the road, and it, there was a turnoff, and it said Fawn Road. And then we started seeing deer that had been hit along this interstate. And I said, oh, my gosh. No wonder fawn is used in everything. They have such an abundance. Just heavy, heavy trees. You know, you couldn't see. Just thick with uh, lots of brush in between sure. and that. So, yeah, I think this is a problem all over the country. Yeah. Well, Barb, it's great to have you back. We are out of time, but thanks for, for coming back today, and I hope you enjoy the weather here. Even though you had a little warmth, it's, uh, I guess, better for your breathing a little bit. Yeah, it's it's great to be in Minnesota. I love it. All right. Thanks, Barb. Great to have you. It's two minutes past 10, and you are listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin.